Um, so anyways, I just kind of wanted to get us to laugh a little bit because we are, what, three days away from Christmas. Um, I kind of want to pick your guys' brain a little bit. Um, who's ready for Christmas? Like, got all your gifts, everything's ready. Who still needs to shop? Okay, <laughs> a little bit of procrastination going on there. All right, um, who in here has calm, organized Christmases, and who, just go ahead, raise your hand if it's a calm, okay, who has crazy Christmases, all right, this is one I like, who when you're opening your gifts, like you're getting together with your family, who lets the kids open them all at the same time, just chaos, all right, there's a few of you, who has the one at a time rule, right, and then who's it from, who's it from, right, hey, who's it from, and then, and then, and then, um, um, that, that, my, my family, <laughs> my family, I'll just, a little side story here. My family's that. We're really, my mom and dad, they're all like, well, you know, like one at a time, who'd it come from, and then next. And when I married Heather, I went over and I saw how the kids opened gifts over there, and it was like, it offended me. Like, <laughs> like, they just, like, ripped all at the same time as fast as they can onto the next one, onto the next one, onto the next one. And I'm like looking at her like, this is wrong. Like, I don't know where it's in the Bible, but this is wrong, right? Uh, what about this one? My wife and I have a little disagreement on this, and our kids try to play us against each other. What about opening a gift on Christmas Eve for your kids? Who allows that? Okay, look at that, Heather. There's some people that are cool in here. Uh, who says you got to wait for Christmas morning? All right, more like Heather. All right, okay. Who says no gifts ever, right? We'll pray for you. That's hard. Um, Okay, this is fun, too. I like this. As a 40-year-old dad, this is my world now. Uh, what about the unwritten parent rules, right? As we give our kids pep talks before we go into mom and dad's, grandma and grandpa, so-and-so. What about this one? Be thankful. Say thank you. Get along, right? What about this? Even if you don't like the gift, act like you do. Anybody ever said that? And then, and then what about the dad eyes? You ever, dad or mom eyes, you ever done that where a kid opens their gift and you know it's the socks or it's the something they don't want or they're, or they're too old for the gift that grandma got them and they're like, you can see it on their face and they're just like, and you're like, <laughs> and they're like, oh, thanks, grandma. And you can see in their face, they just hate it. Um, they are like jeans, socks. My son is just really struggling with that right now. He's 14 in that transition. Um, okay, this is another one. Spouse rules. Anybody got these? Where And, and I'll, I'll, I'll put my cell phone blast on this. Sometimes I've had a bad attitude at my wife's <laughs> family Christmases. And so the spouse rules are like, hey, can you just get along with everybody? Can you be nice? Can you participate? Yeah, babe, I can do this. And then you get there, and then you start to pout. You start to be a little kid again. You're like, oh, this is hard, you know? But, or, or the other one, my family's a bunch of, uh, bunch of cookers or a bunch of cooks, and so they won't let my wife cook anything, right? Anybody feel that? Green bean casserole is her, green bean casserole hers is her thing. My mom's like, you just bring the green bean casserole. Is basically my mom saying, you can't cook, so don't bring anything else. You know, and, and, and I mean it. And so I'm like, babe, listen, just take it on the chin. They're not, they're good people. Let it go, right? Any, anybody, any green bean casserole people here? <laughs> um, and, then, and then before I get into this, I want to put a picture of my family up there because this is where I'm preaching from. Oh, there they are. <laughs> and I'm wearing a similar shirt. 
Does all this guy wear is gray? Um, times are hard. I'm in a somber mode. Okay, so this is my family, and this is a pretty recent picture. Um, Jesse is 14. Hallie, and I'm starting left to right. Jesse's 14. Hallie's 11. There's the big guy in gray. He's 40. The little girl below him is five. She's a kindergartner. Then there's my oldest daughter. She just turned 17, and now she's, uh, she's a junior in high school, and then there's my wife, and I won't say her age. So I usually do, though. 42! All the 42s in the room say, whoop, whoop, right? Anyways, okay, so, so I wanted to show my family, and I wanted to kind of talk Christmas, but there is a lot of scripture. There is a lot of talk in this. Um, but I find myself, okay, Andrew said it best. I'm an elder of this church as well. Um, we're shepherds, right? There's, a, there's some of us, and we shepherd this church. We try, right? We try to love on you guys and lean into your lives and grow you guys. And so that's part of my life. And then I'm a dad, right? I just showed you. And so sometimes I feel like I'm in both veins. And that's, that's kind of the heart behind this message. So as a dad, I've struggled. I really struggled recently with taking my kids on vacation. And one of the reasons is, is when everybody gets together, whether it was two days ago when we we're driving to, to my in-laws or it's a couple months ago we were going to Florida it takes a day or two for everybody to really start getting along. The first day, I mean, everybody's picking on everybody. And I, 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 all I'm saying is, I'm driving, get along, stop it. Just don't, you know, shut up. You know what I mean? You're just, you're, you're really, you're really struggling. And these kids can be, they're, they're beautiful kids, they're wonderful kids, but they can be so mean, right? Anybody got some teenagers? Let's just be honest. Pray for us. They can be mean. They can be nasty to each other. And I, I especially see a lot of mean and nastiness to their mother, um, which we're working on. Anyways, however, because Heather and I love these kids, we know it's our responsibility to mature them for the life of head. Amen? We're, we're, we're the ones. It's our problem. When they're not getting along, when they're fighting, when they're being rebellious, it's our problem. It's not your problem. It's mine. They're my kids. And I'm okay, and I prayerfully am up to the task, okay? But it's hard. So that, that's where I want to really turn your Bibles to Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. That's where we're going to start. And I've read this before, but this is something, as an elder and, and, and a leader of a church, this is something that we as elders think, pray, ask the Lord to give us wisdom, insight. Me as a dad, I'm asking for this for my own family, um, and, and so family is, is in our church and family is in, in our homes. So anyways, let's just read this and get into this. Um, this text is for Christians. So if you're in this room, and, and, and I don't want to ever like overlook non-believers, but this text, this, this sermon is really for Christians. If you're a non-believer in this room, we want you to be a part of our family. And that's, this is all family message. This is Jeremiah addressing the family church of Cobblestone. Um, but if you don't know Jesus, this is not for you. This is not me beating on you or talking to you. We want you to repent and give your life to Jesus and come be a part of this crazy mess that we call G the, servant, the body of Christ, right? Right? Come be a part of it. So I just wanted to address that so you don't feel like you're, who's he talking to? What's he talking about? But as for you Christians in the room, you're a part of God's family. God loves you. God's for you. God, the, God the Father wants you to mature, God wants his kids to mature like Heather and I want my kids to mature. 
God wants you to mature. He wants to grow you to maturity. He wants to deal with your immaturity. He wants to speak to you and speak in your life. And so that's what I'm getting ready to do. And so let's just, Ephesians 4, verse 11, and it says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith, unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by, every, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you love us. I thank you that we gather here and, and something I know you've been working with me on, and I believe you've been working on this church so much in, is that we, we love each other, that we come together to love, to learn, to grow, to mature. And I thank you, Jesus, that you've given us this word that we can study and read and that we can apply it to our lives. And I thank you, Jesus, that you've given me this opportunity to stand in front of your people, and I take it very serious, Lord, that I would not speak what I would want to speak, or I'd not go to places that I think I should go, but that you would take my mouth, and you'd take the next few moments of this day, and that you would speak to us, Lord, through me. I ask for that. I ask for that, Holy Spirit, that you would speak, that you would make these scriptures come alive and speak to the hearts of your people in here, Father. And I thank you for your faithfulness, and I thank you that you love us and you're for us and you're here. In Jesus' name, we agree, I pray. Amen. Okay, so look at Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Look at the things that I, I put together, a little list here that pop out of that scripture. Mature manhood. As we meet Jesus and grow in the Lord, he wants us to become mature, right? Measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Fullness of Christ. No longer be children. Speak the truth in love. Grow in every way into him who is the head into Christ. And when things are working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Builds itself up in love. By the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we will see this in this church, amen? As this, is, this is real talk. We want to see this in you. We want to see this in this church. And let's be honest, we're seeing it in some places, and it is such a blessing and so encouraging. And in other places, we're not. We're seeing people that need to, like, work on this and deal with it. But we're a family, right? We're like, that's why this whole thing is tied into my Christmas, my, my Christmas family, and you're my family. And this is what God really put on my heart. So here's some, some uh, things, the truths. Um, about my family Christmas. And I'm just, I just put my thoughts down here, so bear with me. And <laughs> oftentimes, my church family looks like my Christmas family. There's a lot of people, and kids usually outnumber the adults. There's tired parents and angry kids, tired kids and angry parents. There's hungry kids, and there's hungry parents. Amen? I'm hungry a lot. There's loud and overly opinionated people. 
There's quiet and sweet people that quietly disagree with those. There's people hiding what's really going on in their life. There's people making mountains out of molehills, creating drama. There's kids that need discipline, and there's kids that need to stop telling on everyone. As my kids say, the snitches get stitches. It's not, that's my kids, right? There's mean things said, and there's nice things said. There's glares and smiles, laughter, and sometimes tears. There's love, there's hurt, there's jealousy, bitterness at times. There's family celebrated and congratulated, and there's family missed and mourned. But it's mine. They're mine. My family. My people. I love them. And as crazy and as hard and as difficult as they are to get along with at times, they're mine. Now, church, listen, this is, this is the heart behind this. And I'm going to talk in Corinthians and stuff, but you're mine and I'm yours. Christians have got to stop dividing, and I'll preach all into this, and being so nasty to each other. We're, we're messed up, amen? <laughs> my family's messed up, but that's my family. That's my blood. And there's nothing, there's nothing that my kids can do that will make me hate them or push them out of my life. I want a relationship with them. I want them there. And so as a church, I hope we're going to get this idea that we're, we're together. God has you here for a purpose. It is not coincidence you sit here in this church. It is not coincidence that you're here. And beyond that, it's not coincidence. Forget just cobblestone. Think about Christians that we've pushed away from different churches and stuff. Let's be honest. Those are mine. When somebody says they love Jesus, that's your people. When they confess Christ, that's your people. We shouldn't be pushing them away. We should be pulling together. We live in a day and a time right now where everything's about separating, dividing, and ripping us apart. And if there's one place that should have some incredible unity, even if we don't agree on everything, it's the body of Christ. Amen? It's Jesus. We're his. John said it last week. We're the bride. We're the bride, not just this denomination or that denomination. Those of us that follow Jesus Christ and call him Lord, we're his bride. And there's got to be unity. There's got to be love and there's got to be patience because we're family. We are family, just like my Christmases. That's all of that and more here, right? But we're in this together. We're in this together. God is stirring cobblestone. I'm 100% convinced of this. Even got the shakies. God is stirring cobblestone right now in the season we've been in to love more radically than we've ever loved to love more radically than we've ever loved to be more patient with each other to be more kind to to deal with stuff talk stuff out pray stuff out cry stuff out that's part of our role as christians that's part of our role being family amen so paul calls himself in scripture, he refers to himself, he says, you know, you have a lot of teachers, but there's not many fathers, so I think Paul is fair to say one of the guys that saw himself as a spiritual father, and beyond that, he was representing the father in heaven, our God, and how he gets frustrated when people start to divide, and people start to, to deal with stuff, and so as a good dad does, just like Jeremiah does with his kids, and says, guys, come on, stop it, Paul deals with the Corinthians in a divisive way that they were struggling with. Oh, I didn't set my timer to. Jeremiah, come on. What time do I need to be done? 
John, do you know? 10, 15, thank you. Thank you, John. <laughs> I know, I, I, you know how you in your head, I got this, I got to do this, this, and this. Jeremiah needs a timer, okay? It's all good. So if you got your Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians uh, 1, 10 through 13 is what we're going to read. And then I'm just going to read the whole chapter of 3. Now, when, as, as I read it, I want you to read along with me, please. And I want you just to, 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 to say a simple prayer right now and say, Lord, speak to me. Who am I in this? Where do I relate to this? Does this speak to me at all? Let the word of God do what the word of God does. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, Peter, or I follow Christ. And he says, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Now let's skip on over to, to chapter 3. I'm just going to read this. Read along with me. Whew, there's some powerful stuff being said there, guys. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now, you're not ready for it, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? When one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, which was a teacher in their time too, if you don't know who Apollos was, he's this great charismatic speaker. Are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. I'm going to read that again. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that, our, that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy. You are that temple. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise and they are futile. So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul 
or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours and you are Christ's. Christ is God's. Amen? Now, I, I didn't want to add a lot to that because let's be honest, Paul says it beautifully to the Corinthians. Now, let me ask you, Cobblestone, is there anything that in, and when you read that, when you're hearing that, is there anything in there you're like, I could, I, could, I could use that. I needed to hear that. Or maybe you didn't want to hear it, but you're like, I, I know that was for me. Here's some simple takeaways that I, that I wanted to teach into a little bit. What can we learn about what Paul was saying to the Corinthians? I say this, number one, if, you're, if we're not careful, we can divide or cause division over small, petty stuff like them. I'm from Paul. I'm from Apollos. I'm from Cephas. Literally, they were Christians dividing over who led them to Christ, right? Do we not see this? Guys, let's just be honest. I'm from the Baptists. I was from Catholic. I was from Methodist. I was from Pentecostal, right? And we divide. Do we not see this? And do you see what Paul, I think Paul would write a letter to our churches that say that. Why are we dividing on so much stuff? And I, agree, I know, well, we don't all agree. Yeah, you're right, we don't but we got to work together. If we're not careful, we can divide or cause division over small, petty stuff like them. Number two, we are all, and I say all, susceptible to getting caught up in our flesh and carnality. Do you not see how he says you're acting out only in a human way? He says in, in, in there, where there is jealousy and strife among you, only in a human way. And I need us all as Christians. We understand we are born again. We are new creations in Christ Jesus. And when you start to see your old person or your old push away or negativity or judgment or whatever it is, whenever you start to see that rise up, do you take that to the cross and crucify it? Because we're supposed to. Jesus instructs us to pick up our cross and die daily. Does he not? So we are all susceptible getting caught up in our flesh and carnality. Even the elders, right? Even our wonderful pastors. They know, I know, I hear their prayers. We're not, we're not trying to say we're above anybody. We know we're humans too. We're humans and we, we, we're like, Lord, lead us. Lord, help us not to act out in the flesh and respond in anger and respond in this and do all that, right? Amen? All right, three says, listen, the enemy, Satan, will use our differences to divide us. And we have to understand that. The enemy loves to divide the body of Christ. He loves to come in and get us quarreling and causing strife and acting in flesh and all sorts of stuff. Look at 1 Corinthians 10 again. And I really want you to read this with me again. There's power. There's an anointing on it. I appeal to you, brothers. And I say this. I'll put this on this church. He's talking to us. Family. Family. Jesus' family. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you. It's a goal, right? No divisions among us? That seems like a pipe dream, really. Like, Jesus, what? How can we get there? Oh, God help us, right? Be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and in the same judgment. 
to be united. And of course, he's talking to the Corinthians, but I would believe this is what he would talk to the cobblestonians <laughs> uh, the same way. Listen, every Christian will be immature sometime in their walk, right? Everyone. Listen, I got a five-year-old. I don't expect my five-year-old to be my 17-year-old. It'd be dangerous giving her the keys, right? And she works at Skyline. My 17-year-old works at Skyline. Can you imagine my five-year-old dishing you up, Skyline? Nobody wants that. Nobody. Immaturity is a part of our Christianity. Immaturity is part of being a part of the body. It's just like my Christmases. It's going to happen. The question is, are we growing? Are we, are we receiving what we need to receive to grow, to mature, to change? You and I have all, the most mature Christian in this room has been immature. So we're not, we're not hating on you if you act out and you're like, man, I'm, I'm struggling with this because there's every, there's every age represented in here. There's babes in Christ and praise God you're here. There's teenagers in Christ and just like mine, you're, you're struggling with stuff. You're a little rebellious. There's young adults in Christ in here. And those of you, you're like, you're getting it together. You're, you're finally getting this thing worked out. And then there's mature in Christ, right? And all the in-betweens. Where do you, what about you? Where do you fall in that? How are you doing in that walk? And, and, and I love this. Um, um, Jack Sasser, he, he was one of our elders. He just stepped down um, just because he has a lot going on at home. And, and Joy had some knee operations and what have you, but, or hip, knee, something. Either way, Jack's an awesome man. And I love Jack because I, I mean, he's 80. <laughs> he's an 80-year-old man, and he always says, I got to keep learning something. He's like, that stinking flesh. And if you know Jack, you know what I'm talking about. And I love that about his heart. He is 80 years old, and he could say, I'm putting this thing in park. I've learned enough. I've matured enough, and I'm done. But Jack's not done. Not until he's standing in front of Jesus. He's 80. He's still growing. He's still learning. He's still crucifying that stinking flesh, as he calls it. How about you? Are you done? Are you growing? Are you learning? Are you crucifying? Am I? How about Jeremiah? Boy, he has some issues. <laughs> All right. How do we mature? Here's some simple points that are just honest and real. The first one I would put on you is the Bible. If you think you're going to mature in Christ without reading the Bible, you're crazy. It, it won't happen. You need the Bible. So read it, know it, memorize it, love it, and of course, obey it. Amen? The second one is be disciplined or be disciplined. Be discipled and spend time with more mature believers. This is something that's helping me mature 100%. These are like, this is me just being honest with you guys on how Jeremiah is trying to mature. And I learned this a few years back. I didn't know this when I was younger, but this, there's this idea, if you want to mature, find mature people. So if, 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 I, if I want to raise my kids right, and I use that a lot as an analogy, but I do, and it's heavy on my heart and it's real. So I find people that have raised their kids that, and have gone through the ups and the downs and rebellious, and I have them speaking in my life. If I want to be a successful businessman, and I do, and I have this in my life, I go to other successful businessmen, and I sit humbly, and I listen to them on how they became successful. Of course, as a Christian, I prefer them to have Christ in that, and it works. I find people that are where I want to be, and I start to listen to them, and I start to submit and learn and grow in that. Amen? There's maturity in that. There's maturity in that. I had a, a, a dear friend that I wasn't going to talk about because I'll cry, but I got to. I had a friend pass away about 
little over a year ago from brain cancer, and, and he was an elder in another church, in the church I was in. And uh, there was something between him and I that just connected. And I would call him. There was a season in my life where I had to call him every week and talk to him. And you know what I'd ask him a lot of times? Am I wrong here? Am I thinking wrong there? What do I do with, with this? And what do I do with that? And it was so beautiful and wonderful to have a friend, an older man that I could listen to that would speak life into me. And he wasn't discouraging. In fact, a hothead like me sometimes needs, he was a calm guy, much like John. John's, John's really, the Lord's been, he doesn't know that I was gonna say anything, but John's been on my heart and I meet with him and I, I've asked him questions and humble man, humble man. And he's, he's kind of taken that role where I'm like, I asked him not one of our meetings about, man, how do you raise teenage kids? <laughs> and he gave me some wisdom and, and, and it was good. It was received and I need that. I need that. And you need a John or this guy's name was Bill. You need one. Titus actually talks about older women teaching younger women how to love their husbands. Let's be honest, I'm a husband. It's not easy loving us, right? Yeah, you need some older women in your life, ladies. Find it, look for it, pray for it. Find somebody that's where you wanna be, all right? Have and submit, this is my next point, have and submit to spiritual authority. Allow spiritual authority to work, it works. And what I mean by that is, before you do something, who do you check with? Do you listen? Do you submit? Do you have pastors and leaders and people in your life that you say, I need to check with them before I make this decision? I'm not saying every decision, but major decisions. And you seek wisdom and counsel, and you submit. And if, and if, if somebody gets up here and reads the Bible to you and says, hey, look, brother or sister, this says this, what are you going to do? Right? This is where you got a choice. Do you, do you say, yeah, I'm going to go with the word? or I'm gonna go with the wise counsel, or I'm gonna go with myself and do what I think. You start to divide. Are you teachable? Are you correctable? Are you humble? Spend real time with God. Spend real time with God. I, read, of course, the Bible. But sit quietly with him and allow him to start working on you and minister to you. And I do this, and, and, and so, quick story on spending time with God. My son was a seventh grade basketball player last year. He's eighth grade this year. And in seventh grade basketball, he, uh, <laughs> here he was sitting the bench. And I'm not gonna lie to you, I sat the bench in seventh grade. So young Jeremiah got brought up to Jesse's world. And so we're, I'm, I'm bringing him home from Lawrenceburg and I'm talking to him about being aggressive and having a bad attitude. I'm being honest here. I was telling him about be competitive and you gotta claw, fight, push, you get out there, you got to rip and tear people, you know, okay? Don't judge me. I, I got some immaturity I'm working on too. And uh, so, so here I am giving him this, you know, this, all this alpha male junk, right? You got to fight, right? Stupid Jeremiah. Filling his head with nonsense. I get home and I get ready to go to bed. And I, I was reading my Bible and hanging out with the Lord or just sitting before I went to bed. And I kid you not, the Holy Spirit just just brought this thought to my mind and says, is that really what you believe? All that get yours, fight, get on top, push, you know? Or don't you think be gentle and allow the Lord to work for you and submit to the Lord and trust that he's gonna plan for you? And I had to apologize to my 14, well, at the time, 13-year-old son. I was wrong. Spending time with God, he'll, he'll tell you where you're wrong. 
Be quick to repent. That's the beautiful thing. I apologize to everybody. I, told, I, mean, I think I had to talk to my other kids because they heard me, you know, ranting about basketball. And, and I, man, I was wrong. I was just wrong. Church, let me ask you that. When's the last time you said that? I was just wrong. I was wrong to be that way. I was wrong to say that. I was wrong to spread that. I was wrong. I was wrong. And this is a life verse that I think we all need to take on and live this. James 1.19. James 1.19. You can put that up there. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Be quick to hear. Listen, 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 listen. Start listening to each other. Before you like start to push people away and divide and judge and be all crazy, listen. Spend some time talking things out. You'll be amazed where you can end up if you just sit down and listen. Even in marriage, this is, this is a little marriage help. Every so often, take your wife out, men. Go out on a date, sit at a Mexican restaurant. That's where I do. And I'll, I'll ask her in no anger, right? Be, 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 and I'll ask her, I say, is there anything I need to work on? In our marriage, Anything you see, me with my kids, anything you see, am I not loving somebody, serving somebody? Am I putting this in front of that? Putting, speak to me, babe, because you see me. I'm not going to get angry because I'm going I'm to James 1 this thing. I'm going to be slow. I'm going to be slow to anger and quick to listen. Will you speak to me? And you know what? You'll be amazed how your marriage will actually start growing and multiplying and flourishing. And, and, and wives, the same thing. Allow your husbands to speak to you. All right, I want to close in this, 1 Corinthians 10 through 15. I'm going to read it again, and I'm going to talk about it for just a few moments and send you on your way. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. The foundation is Jesus. Jesus is the bottom. Jesus is the base. Jesus is the most important thing, amen? Let each one take care how he builds upon it. Are you taking care who and what and how you're building upon that foundation of Jesus? Are you taking care of that? What are you allowing in there? What are you allowing to believe that's not scripture? Who are you allowing to speak into your life that you shouldn't be? That's the questions. So it's on you and it's on the people that are speaking into your life. It's both. Who but take care of how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on that foundation... With gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it. You'll eventually stand in front of Jesus and you'll eventually have Jesus look at you and say, look, I love you and you had the foundation so you made it to heaven, but there was a bunch of other things like the wood, hay, and straw that gets burned up. And today, take this with you. Think about this week. What has consumed your life other than serving Jesus? That's a good way to, to, to do it. We start to this pattern. We got this salvation. We meet Jesus, and it's the best gift. It's the first gift. And, and, and then, and, and let me just do this. I'll probably start crying again. Try not to cry. A bunch of criers in this church, aren't there? Praise God for that. Ooh, I got a present. So I opened my present. Teenage Jeremiah gets this present. It's this foundation. It's, guess what? He meets Jesus. He meets Jesus. He meets Jesus, and Jesus says, I'll take your life. 
And just like my kids, especially my five-year-old, opening gifts, oh, great, I got saved, I'm going to heaven. What's next? I want success, I want a wife, I want, I want this, I want that, I want money, I want power, I want, right? What else are we grabbing for? And we throw, the, we throw the best gift, the most important gift, the foundation, we throw it to the side. And I wrote in here just something silly, that Jesus is enough. And you know what the maturity has really helped me grow in? Is this, I go back to that best gift. I remember, I'm, oh my gosh, I'll get stressed, I'll get worried. Go back to the foundation, the best gift, Jesus. And I put in here, and I, and I mean this, and Andrew said this two weeks ago. He said, in tears, I got nothing else for you but Jesus. And this is a Jesus church, amen? If you're not a big fan of Jesus, you're probably not gonna like Cobblestone. <laughs> we, don't, we, we love him here, we love him. And it says in this box, Jesus is enough. And you know what I found out? Jesus was enough for a 17-year-old who blew his ACL out. His, his life was over as he thought. Jesus is enough for me to meet a woman that loves Jesus. Jesus was enough to start a business that actually struggled for a while and eventually started succeeding. Jesus was enough last year when my wife had a stroke. Friends, listen, whatever you're going through, it's bad for some of you. I get that. But I encourage you to say, Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. And ask yourself this question, what have I built upon my foundation? And when I stand in front of Jesus with his awesome blowtorch, I know that's stupid, but I picture this. I would say stand in front of him now on this side of eternity and say, Lord Jesus, you burn me. You show me what's in me. You show me what I'm building that is wrong. You show me what, I'm, what things are mattering. You show me what's taking me away from you because I want to stand in front of him and have the precious metals, right? I want the gold, the silver, and the precious stones that don't get consumed by the fire. I want Jesus to say, good job, man. You obeyed. You didn't get caught up on a bunch of nonsense, okay? So I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray over you and send you on your way, but guys... This Christmas, this Christmas, I want you to take a dive into family like you never have. I want you to go back even in your, even in your, your, your families this Christmas and ask yourself, who am I pushing away? Who do I need to forgive? Who do I need to have a tough conversation with? Right? And then in your church family, this family, maybe a, maybe a member of another church, I don't care. Allow the Lord to speak to you this week. And if you need to make a phone call, do it. If you need to reach out, reach out. Mend relationships. Get together. Let's get some unity, right? Let's allow the Lord. Let's allow the Lord. And I've been praying this on, on Cobblestone. Let's allow the Lord to baptize this church in love. How are they going to know us? How we love one another. How we love one another. So if you need prayer, there's going to be prayer people. If you need to confess something, confess something. Just, I'm going to pray a blessing on you, and you guys are going to have awesome Christmases, and this is going to be a blessed week, and your light is going to shine bright. And God's, and here's the thing. Be bold this week. You be bold with that family. You be bold with those family members. I watched my wife do this yesterday, and, and uh, my sister-in-law, we've been praying for her to be saved for years, and she finally said, I mean, she's fine, 20 years of knowing this girl, she said to, to Heather, she said, and her other Christian sister, she said, pray for me. I got a job interview coming up. And of course, my wife's like this. She's like, pray for you. You know what I mean? Want to pray? She's like, let's pray right now. And Mandy's like, no, 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 no. You know? And of course, I, I, hear, I hear anyway. My wife's like, well, we're praying. Lord, you know? So be bold this week. 
And allow the Lord to show you something great and work in your lives. Lord, I thank you for your church. I thank you for our family. I thank you that we can love one another and serve one another. I thank you, God, that you just are maturing us and growing us. I thank you for every person in here. And wherever they land on that scale, Lord, that you would meet them and grow them and love them and lead them. I thank you, Jesus. Bless our Christmases. Bless us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.